The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. And all right, well, we're in a we're in a series right now called unto us. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at Christmas. We're looking at the gift of Christmas, which is Jesus. And we're really trying to unpack what that gift really was. And last, last week, if you were here, we talked about how Jesus came and, and he made it possible so that you could experience the power of God now. That God is not a someday in the future, you know, kind of putting it off till some, you know, ambiguous day in the future where he wants to work on your life. God's not waiting for January to do something in your life. Jesus is available now and God's power is available to you to move and to work in your life now, so don't put off till the future what God wants to do today. And so today I want to talk about the Christmas story and really kind of dig into it a little bit more. If you got your Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 2. It's going to take me a little while to get there, but we will eventually get there. But my hope today is to help you, no matter where you are, to really get something new out of the Christmas story. You know, if you're anything like me, I grew up in church. I've had, you know, this is my 41st Christmas this year, and I've heard the Christmas story many, many times, and I think it's easy to get kind of familiar with the songs of Christmas and with the, the, the message of Christmas, and I think, you know, it's even easy for us to not really understand what Christmas is all about and really to kind of understand what Jesus did and the gifts and the, that he makes available to us through, through Christmas, and so I, I'm hoping to help you to see that today because I think so often we miss out on the work that Jesus really wants to do in our life because we, we don't see Christmas for what it is. Let me, let me kind of try to illustrate this for you, okay? I want you to imagine something with me for just a moment. Imagine that there's someone in your life that you love dearly. Hopefully that's not hard for you to imagine. And you love them and it's Christmas time and so you want to do something, you know, really cool for them. And so you go out and you, you decide to pick them up a gift. And so you do your research. You know them. So you start researching, like, what could I get them? What would be the best possible gift for them? And as you do your research, you actually discover this gift that is unbelievable. Like, it's the perfect gift for them. It's going to change their life. From, the, from this day on, once they receive this gift, everything in their life is going to be changed. It's going to be different. And so you want to get them the gift. The problem is it's going to cost a lot. Like, you're going to have to pay quite a bit to get this for them. But you love them so much that you're willing to pay whatever it costs to get him this gift. So, uh, so you go ahead and you pick it up and you pay the price for it, you get it, you take it home. And not only do you wanna give him the gift, but you wanna present it to him in a beautiful way. So you, you go pick out some really beautiful paper and, and, and maybe the paper is even significant to this person and, and who they are in your life. And then you wrap it up and like you take your time. You know, sometimes you wrap up presents. Like I'm, I'm terrible at wrapping presents. I, I gave a present to a friend of mine this week and it was pathetic how poorly I did wrapping this present. But, but, but th in this case, you really want to do a good job. So you, you take your time and you make sure like you cut, you're cut, like you don't get the rips in the cut, like the cut is perfect and the folds are perfect. And like you go so far as like the tape, like you, 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 you package it in such a way that the tape isn't even showing. Like you go, you go that far. And, and then you get a beautiful bow. And so you got it all, you got it all wrapped up and it looks amazing. And so you're having a Christmas party 
And, uh, and all these people are coming over, including that person that you love, and, and they show up. And so you go over and you grab this gift and you take it over to them and you place it in their hands. And they start looking at it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, this is beautiful. Look at, look at what you've done. The paper is so pretty and like the cuts and the folds and the unbelievable, it's bow. Like, wow, I can't believe you did this. And they start walking around with the present and they're showing it to different people and they're like, look, how, look, at, what, look at what they did for me. Look how amazing this gift is. Look how beautiful it is. And you're, you know, you're watching and you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But, but you're also kind of going, they need to open it up because the gift isn't, you know, just the package, it's not the box, it's not the wrapping, it's not the bow, it's what's inside that's going to change their life. And so they keep walking around just kind of showing it to people and, and they never open it up and the party ends and they go home and they take it home and they put it in a place of significance in their home, but then Christmas comes to a close and they take it and they put it away, they put it up in a closet and then the next year at Christmas time they get it back out and they place it back on the table, but they never open it. And so they miss out on what's really there because they, all they do is they look at the wrappings, but they don't get into the real gift. And now, now it's kind of a crazy scenario, I know, and that would never really happen, and yet that's kind of what happens a lot of times at Christmas. People never get beyond the packaging. They never get beyond the wrapping. They just kind of see the pretty bow and the pretty picture of what Christmas is, but they don't really understand what's really inside, and because they don't understand the real gift of Christmas and what it can do, they don't experience the life change that it can actually bring to their life. And so I want to help you to really see what the gift that, that Jesus gave us was. See, the, so I'm calling this message this morning, the gift, the gifts, the, the gifts, the gift gives. So it's the gifts that the gift Jesus gives each and every one of us. And I got four things for you this morning. Here's the first thing that we see in the Christmas story, the first gift that Jesus gave us was that Jesus came. I think sometimes it's easy for us to kind of forget that what an incredibly impactful thing that was, that Jesus was willing to come to this earth and put on skin and become a human. Like he did that, God. That's who, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the son of God who is God. And he chose to, to lay down everything he had in heaven to come to this world. This is, this is the same Jesus that John 1 talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's the same Jesus that spoke this world into existence. Like what we see around us, Jesus spoke that into existence. What we don't see that holds the framework of this world together, Jesus spoke that into existence. He created all things. That Jesus became a part of the creation that he created. It says this in Philippians 2, verse 5 and 7. It says that we should have this mind among us, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But look at this. But he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Jesus became one of us. So just, just to make this really clear to you, like Jesus, who was you know, om omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. He, he laid, he set that aside so that he could come to this earth and, and function in this world like we do under the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who's, who's all-knowing, laid that down and came to this earth and had to learn reading and writing and arithmetic. He had to be burped and have his diaper changed. God did that. It, it's unbelievable. 
Jesus who, is, uh, who could be everywhere at the same time, who, who could be here with us today and, and on the moon and on the furthest parts of the galaxy chose to come down and confine himself to a womb and live for 33 years in one body. Jesus, God, did that. It's unbelievable. It's hard to wrap your brain around it, but he did it. Why did he do it? He did it because he loves you. He loves you and he loves me. And beyond that, he did it because he wants you to know he can relate to you today. Wherever you find yourself today, no matter what you're facing, you know, sometimes we're dealing with stuff in our life. I I know even as a pastor, sometimes I find myself in a place where I'm dealing with things and I'm thinking, man, there's so few people that really understand what it's like to be in this position. And I think we all face that from time to time where we're dealing with stuff. Maybe you're you're watching this right now and you've had some stuff happen in your life that very few of us can relate to. You've experienced some hurt, maybe some abuse. Maybe people have turned their back on you. Maybe you were raised a certain way and it's caused you to feel like you're all alone in this world and no one can relate to you. I want you to know, no matter where you are, no matter what you're dealing with, Jesus has been there. And beyond that, he's dealt and faced every sickness, every pain, every frustration, every fear, everything you could ever imagine. He's dealt with it and then some. Hebrews 4 says this in verse 15. It says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, Let's not, slip, let's, let, let's not let that slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. Jesus is not out of touch with your reality this morning. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all. If you're, if you're watching this this morning, say, he's experienced it all. He's experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. I love this verse. Take the mercy, accept the help. Whatever you're facing today, Jesus has dealt with it. He's faced it. And I want you to know he loves you today. And you can come to him. You can turn to him for help. And the first gift that Jesus gave us was that Jesus came. He was willing to stoop down into this mess of a world that was created through sin. Jesus stooped down. In fact, it says that he became a servant. That word servant means he became a slave. He became a slave to the purpose of God. He became a slave to the purpose of bringing salvation to you. Jesus became nothing. Why? So that you, through him, could become something. Jesus came. The second thing that Jesus did is that Jesus lived. Jesus came to this world and he lived. For 33 years, he lived among his creation. He lived among his people. And he, through his life, now we can open up our Bible and we can see a a living, breathing, walking example of what's possible for us as Christians. The Bible says this in John 1.14. says, Christ became human flesh and lived among us. We saw his shining greatness. When you read the pages of your Bible, you see the shining greatness of Jesus. This greatness is given only to a much-loved son from his father, which, by the way, if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you become a son or a daughter of God, so that same shining greatness can be at work in your life. We saw his shining greatness. I love that. And I want you to know, as a Christian who's called to be a Christ follower, is called to be Christ-like, we can uh, carry his example into this world. We can allow Christ in us, like the Bible says, to be a hope of glory to the world. And we can do the same kind of works that Jesus did. As crazy as that sounds, it's possible. In fact, the Bible says this, John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me, this is Jesus talking, the works I do shall he do 
also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus made it possible for us to do great and mighty works, like the same kind of works that he did, we can do through him. Ephesians 4.24 says this, it says, you were created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You weren't made to be a God, but you were made to be godly. You're made to follow the example of Jesus Christ and to carry his goodness and grace and mercy and love into the world. See, now we can look at Jesus' life. We can look at how he loved people and we can strive to have the same mind in us that was in Christ Jesus and to love people like he loved people. We can look at how Jesus served people and we can strive to have the same mind that was in us that was in Christ Jesus and serve people like he did. We can strive to be like Christ. Now listen, you can't do it on your own. But through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you can be a living, breathing example of Christ in this world. You can be the only Jesus that some people will ever meet. You can carry that into the world. And we can do that and look at the life of Jesus because Jesus lived. He came to this world and he lived. And then the third thing that Jesus did, and this is where it gets really significant, and this is really where we're going to kind of dive into the Christmas story, is that Jesus died. Jesus died. He came to this world and he lived, but he also died. And he made a way through his life so that we could step into eternal life. A Christmas story's a beautiful story. Like there's a lot of pretty wrapping to the Christmas story. You know, you think about stuff like the Virgin Mary, how the Holy Spirit uh, impregnated her with the, with, a chi- with the child of God, Jesus. And it's kind of a beautiful thing imagining this this young girl carrying Jesus Christ and you read the story of how God loved her and walked with her and took care of her. It's, it's, it's really beautiful. I think of you know, the angels filling up the sky, singing glory to God in the highest and it's kind of a beautiful picture. We think of these shepherds who are some of the first, these people that not everybody else is seeing and noticing. They're some of the first people to get the message of Jesus. We think of, uh, of these wise men coming from afar, bringing gifts. So there's all these beautiful images in the story of Jesus, but there's also some pretty ugly images in the birth of Jesus. And those, those images actually, when we understand them, it helps us to understand even more so the beauty of what Jesus came to do. Because you see, here's the thing. If it just ends with Jesus being born in a manger, if that's the end of the story, and there's a, there's a saying like, what's in it for me? Well, if that's where it ends, there's not a whole lot in it for you. But that's not where it ends. And what we see in the, in the story of Jesus is, is these beautiful images that point to what he came to do and who he came to save. Luke chapter 2, I told you to turn there. Let's look at this together. Verse 7, and I, I hope today you're going to see some stuff in this you've never, ever seen before. It says in verse 7, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. It's talking about they're in Bethlehem, and it's time for Mary to give birth to Jesus. And she, bought, she brought forth her firstborn son, this is Jesus, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, if you're anything like me, I grew up in church and I've seen a lot of Christmas cartoons and movies and seen a lot of nativities and, you know, I'd, I'd hear a story like this and I kind of had this image of what was really going on when Joseph and Mary showed up in, in Bethlehem, I kind of had this image like they, they find out they got to go there because there's this census. And so they, they travel there and it takes them a while to get there. And as they're getting closer to the town, oh my gosh, 
Mary's water broke. And so she's on the donkey, water breaks, they got to get into town. And so Joseph, you know, he's, he's leading the little donkey and he begins to pick up his pace and they're trotting into town and Mary's on the back doing her Lamaz breathing as they move into the town of Bethlehem. And they're going from place to place like, do you got any room in here? We need to, my wife's getting ready to have a baby and people are like, no, no room here, no seat here, seats taken, you know, that whole force come thing. There's no room for them. And, and, but eventually they just kind of find this barn that they're able to have a baby. And that's kind of what I thought. But that's really, if you study it out, that's not at all what happened. Uh, Mary and Joseph had been in Bethlehem for a little bit, and they ha- were actually staying with some family members. But as, as Mary got close to delivering the baby, they were going to have to leave that house because when Mary would begin to go into the process of delivering a baby through the blood loss and everything that took place in that, in that moment, she would become unclean. And so would her husband Joseph, and so would every person that was in the house that she was delivering the baby in. So they couldn't stay with their family anymore. So most likely, Joseph had spent probably several days finding a location they could go to where they could deliver this baby, and he so happened to find this manger. And there's so much significance in the manger that they land in. So look at this, verse 8. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You are an all person today. This is good, good news, great joy for you today. For unto you, unto us, is born this day in the city of David or Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, let's stop here again. Let's take a moment to look at a couple of things. First of all, something you need to understand that, that helps give context and helps this story be more significant is what Bethlehem was all about. You know, there's different cities that exist and states that exist in our country, like I think of places like Idaho, and Idaho is synonymous with potatoes, or you think about like Nebraska, Nebraska is synonymous with corn or corn huskers, or you think about Arkansas, and Arkansas is synonymous with weird redneck people, or you know, <laughs> sorry if you're from Arkansas, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings there, but, but anyways, there's places that are synonymous with stuff, and Bethlehem was synonymous for something, it was synonymous for sheep, and in particular, it was synonymous with sacrificial lambs. You see, at this time, uh, when people wanted forgiveness of sin before Jesus, the Hebrew people would have to take this lamb, this little lamb that was basically like almost like a pet to them, and it had to be perfect. It had to be, as the Bible said, without spot or wrinkle. I mean, it couldn't, it had to be perfectly white. It couldn't have any defects to it. It had to be a beautiful little lamb, and they would take this lamb and, and they would sacrifice it. They would cut it and kill it and let its blood pour over the altar. And it would cover the sins that they had committed. And so this place, Bethlehem, is where these sheep would deliver these lambs. In fact, uh, they, they, would, they say that there's about 250,000 lambs that were coming out of Bethlehem during this time for the Passover sacrifices and feasts. And so when people thought of Bethlehem, when they first read this, they knew Bethlehem was synonymous with these sacrificial lambs. And it says that there were shepherds right in the field. Well, these shepherds weren't just your everyday shepherds. These were actually priest shepherds. And these priest shepherds had been raised since they were a child to understand the process of delivering these lambs and caring for these lambs so that they could be used in the sacrifices. So it goes on, verse 12, it says this. It says, and this shall be a sign unto you. Now, this is significant, okay? 
What, what the angels were saying is, what I'm about to tell you is significant to who Jesus is, what he's going to do, and check this out, where you're going to find him. This is a sign. What I'm about to say is significant, so you really need to understand this. You shall find the babe. You're going to find baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angel appears to these shepherds, these priest shepherds, and he says, you're going to find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Messiah has been born. And he's in swaddling clothes, and he's lying in a manger. Now look at what it says in verse 15. The shepherds responded. They said to each other, let us go now to Bethlehem and see what has happened. The Lord has told us about this. Now notice something. Nowhere here does the angel say, you're going to find baby Jesus. We go into town. You're going to go straight down uh, the, the street, and then you make a, make a left on Savior Way. And at 1401... North Savior way, you're going to find Jesus. He didn't say that. So how do they know where to go? And we, we kind of think, well, they, you know, Bethlehem was probably little, and there was, they just went to the mangers, a couple of mangers. Well, mangers, understand, mangers are like garages to us. Like, everybody had a manger because everybody needed animals. Everybody had to use animals for travel and for the work that they were doing, and so everybody's got a manger. So how do they know? I mean, it's like, it's like me going up to you and saying, you're going to find baby Jesus in Edmond in a garage. You'd be like, okay, where? Like, that doesn't help you. But these guys, it seems like they know exactly where to go. Well, how is that possible? Well, remember what the angel said. This will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, these are these, these priest shepherds, right? As they had been trained and they knew all about the Messiah. They knew the significance of their role and who the Messiah would be. And so they knew about a prophecy that was in Micah 4.8 that talked about where the Messiah would be born, this place called the Tower and the Flock or the Miguel Adair. And the Miguel Adair was the place that when the sheep gave birth to these sacrificial lambs, it took place at the Tower of the Flock. It took place at the Miguel Adair. And they would take these lambs, these very priests would take these lambs after they were born and they would wrap them up in swaddling clothes because they didn't want them to thrash about during the process of being inspected because if they were to get hurt in any way, they would be unfit for the sacrifice. So they would wrap them up in these swaddling clothes and then they would place them in a manger in the tower of the flock. And so G, the, the angel says to these shepherds, these very guys, I want you to go because the Messiah, the Lamb of God has been born and you're gonna find him where the sacrificial lambs are inspected. And I want you to go and see and inspect that the Savior of the world is born. Unbelievable, right? And beyond that, it, it talks about the, the swaddling cloth. And the swaddling cloth is significant as well in, in a greater way. I, I remember when my son Gus was born and is my first baby. And I was the youngest in my family, so I, I wasn't around a whole lot of babies. So I didn't really know, you know much about handling babies. But I remember when he was born, and the nurses had him and they were like, you know, pulling him out of my wife and then cleaning him up. And I remember watching them just thinking, it seems like they're being a little rough. Like, be careful. Like, don't hurt. Like, you're going to hurt him. And I mean, they were, they were flipping him around like the Harlem Globetrotters. And I'm watching all this thinking, you know, calm down. And then they take this blue, baby blue thing and they wrap him up in it like, a, like it's a straight jacket. 
And I'm watching all this and thinking, what, what is going on? Well, I learned later that that was actually a, of great comfort to him. See, he's a newborn baby. He's used to being in a confined space. And he actually finds comfort in being in that confined space. And he rests better. And I, I discovered that. And I learned how to be a good swaddler. Like, I got good at it. It was like hog tying my baby. I got strike. And with him, you had to, you had to wrap him up tight because he would fight his way out of that thing. And with each of my children, I learned how to do this. My, my, my son, Gus, he wanted both arms wrapped. He wanted his legs wrapped. He wanted to be like in a little cocoon. And then my daughter, Bo, comes along. She didn't like that. She wanted her feet free, and she wanted one arm out. And then my daughter, Sunny, came along, and she was even more chill. She just wanted it like here, like, a, like a, how a woman wears a bath towel. Like that's how she, she wore it. And so we read this, and we think, well, Jesus was just in this manger, in this comfortable place, wrapped up for comfort. But that wasn't really what was going on. See... In Bible times, when people traveled, it was, it was difficult. And when they traveled, uh, you know, it took them forever. In fact, the other night, me and my son Gus went to Empire Slice Pizza to pick up a pizza for our family. And when we got there, I went in to pick up the pizza. And when I came back out, he had been looking at my phone. And he said, Dad, did you know if we walked here, it would take us five hours he was like, it would take 10 hours to get a pizza from Empire. And I was like, yeah. We got to talking about, you know, things have changed a lot. Cars make life so much easier. We can just jump in our car and drive hundreds of miles. But in Bible times, they didn't have that luxury. And when they traveled, it could be difficult. Like you had difficulties that we don't even know how to deal with. Like they had lions and bears that would attack you. Like David fought a lion and a bear. Like, we're not, we're not going to Branson and thinking, man, I, this is going to be a great trip. Hopefully, we don't get attacked by a bear. Like, that doesn't come up. But this, what, this is like the real stuff. They had bandits that could attack them. Like, there were hardships that they faced that we can't really relate to. And so one of the things they would do is they would have to prepare in case somebody died. And again, like, we're not going to Branson going, well, are we ready to go? Everybody got your stuff packed? Are we prepared in case somebody dies? Like, we don't do that. But they did this. And one of, the, one of the ways they prepared is, is the father would wear around his waist this thing called a swaddling cloth. And it was, a, it was like this big kind of blanket thing he would wrap around his waist. And if they faced some kind of hardship that led to somebody dying on the trip, he would take off that cloth, he would wrap it around the dead person, and they would bury them along the side of the road. So get this, New Song Church. The angel shows up to these shepherds and he says, the Messiah has been born. And you're going to find him in the place that you inspect those lambs that are sacrificed. And he's going to be wrapped up like one of those lambs. And what, what, what they're pointing to, what the sign that's unto us is this, that Jesus came to be the lamb of God for our sins. And he came as a man to die, to make a way so that we through his life could find new life. Isn't that amazing? Jesus came and he died. And through his blood, that's why when, when he first shows up, John the Baptist sees him and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. See, through his sacrifice, through the blood that was shed on the altar of the cross, he didn't just cover your sin. He erases your sin. And anyone who has sin can call upon the name of the Lord and we can be saved. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. But the story, again, does not end there. There's one more gift. The last gift that Jesus gave us is that Jesus lives. Jesus didn't stay dead. I've heard people say before, make comments like, Jesus was born to die. But I want you to know, I do not agree with that. Jesus was not born to die. Jesus came, he was born with a destiny that would lead him to a death. 
but he didn't come to die. He came to live. He came to defeat death so that all through his life could find new life. And we see these pictures again in the Christmas story. Look back at Luke chapter 2, verse 12. The angel says, and this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, a manger represents a couple of things. A manger represents the place where the animals are kept, but it also represents the actual trough through which the animals are fed. And most of us think of the manger like, you know, the nativity scenes that we see. It's like this little beautiful open barn that has a wall missing and, and there's a little trough and Jesus is in that trough and there's a light that the star is shining down on him and he's wrapped up, you know, cooing and there's a donkey looking at him. It's just a beautiful picture, but that's really not what it was. In fact, the manger, the actual trough that he was placed in, in the Medgeladere was not even wood, it was actually concrete. In fact, I've got a picture of one. If you guys want to throw that up there for people to see, this is what that actually looked like. It was, it was this concrete kind of slab that had a, a hole dug out of it that they would place these sheep in, these little lambs in, to be inspected. Okay, so fast forward 33 years, and we've got Jesus, and he's died on the cross. And then they take his body, and they place it into a tomb, and that tomb, we've seen the pictures of it. There's like a big hole in the front and they, they roll the rock in front of it. But beyond that, inside of the tomb, there's a place where his actual body was laid. And I have a picture of that as well this morning. This is the actual place where the body of Jesus was laid. And I hope you can see the similarities. And this is why this points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in both cases, he didn't stay in the concrete hole. He got up. Baby Jesus didn't stay in that manger. He got up and he lived and then he died for our sins. His body was placed inside of a very similar looking tomb, but he didn't stay there. He rose from the grave and he lives. And I want you to know today, he lives for you. He loves you. First Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this. It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through that resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We have a living hope through the resurrection that took place with Jesus Christ. I want you to know, Jesus gave us some pretty amazing gifts. And I hope today you see it like you've never seen it before. Jesus wasn't just born. God came. God stepped into this and he lived so that we could, through his life, see how we can live and what's possible. And then he died so that you could be free from the thing that has bound you. But he didn't stay dead, he lives. And now through him, you can live. And today I want you to know, he makes intercession for you. Jesus is in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. And when you go to the, to the Father and you pray and you ask for healing, you ask for help, you ask for anything, Jesus turns to his Father and he says, God, meet that need. I justify it by my work, the work that I did through the cross, through my blood that was shed. I make it possible. Maybe today you need salvation. Maybe today you're, you're watching this and you've never accepted this gift. You've, maybe you, you, you've seen the wrapping, but you've never opened it up and really experienced it for yourself. Well, I want you to know today is the day of salvation for you. 
And all you have to do, the Bible says, is call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. And if you've never done that today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer to help you do that. Wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, maybe you're in your car right now, maybe you're, you're watching this you know, months from now, I don't know when, but, but right now you can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And that lamb that died for you, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, his blood that was shed for you can make you free from your sin and help you step into the new life that he made possible for you. If you want that today, if you look at your life and say, man, I've been trying to do this my way and it doesn't work, you know there's something more, I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you are. Say this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to make a way so I could be saved. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I can be raised to new life through him. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present, my future. I give you everything. Thank you for being the perfect gift for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.